Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of uh, Home Ice Advantage. Got off solo episode here. I'm recording this. It's like 2.30, um, Saturday night, Sunday morning, whatever you want to call it. Um, really busy weekend uh, for hockey. Classic Canes with all these bizarre twists and turns and whatever. So I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. Um, you know, this weekend there was a big game and there was a whatever game, right? And if you would reverse the the results, let's say you could just literally copy and paste both final goal totals and then swap them, you'd feel miserable, <laughs> right? So uh, ultimately I'd say a really good weekend. Um, we'll, we'll go into Friday here first. Um, Rangers, four games in hand, I think. But you, you got to win these matches. You know, if you lose three of the four against the Rangers and they have four games in hand, it doesn't really mean anything, right? It's really important uh, to win those games. We got a, a late snow, which I was worried about. There, there, there was a lot going into this game, right? Um, obviously, Rangers fans are awful, um, and they gave a classic Rangers fan performance on Friday. Um, but going into it, I was like, you know, they really want this game. This is a big statement game for them, if they could pull it off. Uh, I felt a little uneasy about it. They had just had this big comeback against uh, against Toronto, and we had just had, you know, that really productive evening against Boston. It's like, somebody here's due, you know what I mean? Um, and I didn't, I, I didn't really know. And then I saw, and I, and I don't understand this, starting Gorgiev instead of Shosturkin in net seems really bizarre for me. Because this is the one you want, right? I get that two points are two points. And maybe you thought you're better than the Leafs. And you're better than the Coyotes. So, you know, whatever. You'll roll it on the Canes. And Gorgiev's not bad. He's not playing super well this year. But he's a good goalie. Um, I don't know if that was the thought. But it seemed like a mistake. That made me go from, like, uneasy on what was going to happen to, like, feeling pretty good. So, we get the goal, or we get the snow. Um, Shoutouts, there was still a good number of Canes fans with the snow. Um, I'd say the building was probably 60-40, maybe 65-35 Hurricanes fans. It was much worse lower bowl. Um... So, you know, that is what it is. It's funny, one of the things, again, Rangers fans are so classic, right? They've always done the same thing for as long as I've gone to games, where they show up and they've got, you know, they're ready to storm the beaches of Normandy for about two and a half minutes, and then it's nothing, right? And if they didn't score a goal for the rest of the game, you would never hear from them. And... So, Canes go up 2-0, nothing, 3-0, nothing, 3-1, oh, a lot of hockey left, right? 
and uh, that it's 5-1. And it's 5-1 going into the third. Gosh, stuff like this drives me crazy. So here are these Rangers fans, right, taking their goodbye selfies, right? Everybody gets in front of the ice, and they got their little, like, 7-Eleven, you know, novelty Rangers jersey they got for buying a Slurpee, and they take their pictures, and they're ready to leave. So then they score those two quick goals, um, and suddenly, oh, here we go. There, no rational human. I was not worried about that game. I, I, if it wasn't a Rangers night, I would have been tempted to leave. But I wanted to wave goodbye to all of them as they left with seven minutes left. So, <laughs> um, to, so I thought home fans did great to get into the game a little bit. I thought we played really, really well. Um, Your two power play goals for the Rangers, and we'll get into that a little bit more with the Devils. They just got a good PP. Uh, The Chris Kreider goal was low-key ruthless because he could have deflected it, but he instead, like, he almost kind of like punched it down, like closing a window, and then. And the beat Freddy glove glove side, and the Zabinich had one was just whatever. Um, but I thought we we really kind of bullied them. I, I think something that I didn't know going into this is they have a really hard time on the forecheck, and they have a really hard time if you can limit their breakouts. They have a hard time setting up. Um, a couple kind of key moments from the game. The, the uh, and I know some people hate stuff like this. Some people love it. Um, I'm kind of on the fence about it. But Kiki going after uh, Barkley Goudreau, I love like the mentality behind it. They scored five seconds in on that power play. Um, I don't know... The Canes are a team that for a really long time you could you could physically bully. And what I mean by that is like last year we have guys or had guys who would who could be about it, who would scrap, but you could lay, you could lay the big hit first on the Canes 10 out of 10 times. And you could probably give two or three before they would be ready to retaliate and then you let it go. And you could play against the Canes forever. So if the Canes had laid a clean hit like that a couple of years ago and somebody had come in and instigated that fight, that might have meant something. It doesn't mean anything to the Rangers. And uh, one of the things I, I really noticed on Friday against the Rangers is that I, I still don't think it's our like default mode, but we can play that kind of cunty brand of hockey. Uh, I thought everybody was re- like. Lots of good, clean hits. Rangers, Kings, you know, all the same. I thought the hit on a Turbo was um, clean. Um, but I felt like we brought it. And we were early to bringing it. And uh, Svech had a big hit. He had that sick, like, looking like he was setting up the lacrosse to draw the defenders. And uh, the, what ended up happening on that play, too, and it's part of what makes it dumb, is uh, Svech, the way that he does it, and everybody does it different, and maybe they've, to my knowledge, he's never done this. He always takes it so that to the, for if, with his back, right in the trapezoid, 
He takes it to the right, so it stays on the front. I don't think he has a move to go to the left side of the net. So the defender needs to come on that side for sure. But sending both was a mistake. And he sends beautiful pass to uh, Nino, who also, good on him for not immediately firing it. He, like, waited and then got got his five hole when he's moving across the crease. So um, that was of note. I really... uh. Good face-off streak tonight, which was nice. There was a there was a little bit of a stretch late in the second, early in the third, where I just felt like we could not win an ozone draw. But I thought that was pretty pretty big. Uh, the only other thing I want to talk about is uh, TDA, and he's another one we're going to circle back to later in the podcast. What an absolute gamer! that guy is shown to be. That guy loves Friday Night Rangers in town. That guy's up. That guy's ready to play. And I think that's another thing you could have said was lacking last year and could still be lacking this year is, you know, we're going to need last year in its simplest terms, right? You needed the best version of Dougie. You needed the best version of Trocek and Nino to win the cup. And you got a kind of okay version of Nino. Trocek was on again, off again, hurt, if I remember correctly. So it's hard to even gauge that. And Dougie basically no-showed. And so you've replaced that with TDA, who is a gamer, is a guy who's about it. So maybe... The Canes are still in trouble if Trocek and Nino can't show up in the playoffs. So we'll, we'll find out. Um, and then, so the Rangers game, big win, statement win. I felt really, really good about it. Leaving, just a kind of funny story. Uh, a couple different things. Um, I was in the building, so I sit in, in a section in the 300s. And uh, I sit on the visitor side. I like to chirp. I, I like to go back and forth with people. And um, I might I might have passed. It, it might have been my 15th Rangers jersey that I saw where it was an active player. It is it is hilarious. Like, <laughs> stuff, stuff like that makes me laugh. And then there was another just kind of tales from the, the bleachers kind of stuff. Uh, very late. So at... 5-3, this Rangers fan behind us, who had been kind of loud, you know, but not really, uh, he starts, like, swearing and popping off, and, uh, you know, so this, uh, somebody sitting behind me turns around and is like, hey, don't talk like that in front of my daughter. He's like, oh, fuck you up, and this, that, and the third. So I stand up and turn around, and first off, the rest of the section is look at this at this guy like hey why don't we why don't we all calm down and uh i look at this guy he he looks exactly like joe pesci with a backwards baseball cap on and maybe he's if if he's not 25 he's no older than 28 he's there with his mom he's there with his girlfriend and they who are not drunk out of their fucking minds Immediately sit him down. You know, we're so sorry. Whatever, whatever, whatever. 
this is I'll just start giving warnings. Teach teachable moments to people who don't regularly come to games at, at the fools you can see at these games. Has every person you know who goes to games regularly? Sometimes you just you get a little little messed up, and you're going, and that's your evening, right? When you go to hockey games with your mom, <laughs> maybe act like you've been there before, huh? Just a just a little thought there. So, whatever. Great win after the Rangers win. Colin posted some cool pictures of the um, of the snow uh, falling around PNC. We ended up getting I don't know. Maybe an inch, an inch and a half, maybe less than an inch, I don't know. But not a ton of snow. And that's relevant because the Canes were supposed to leave that night and um, did not, left in the morning because of the snow. I, I, I think a plane might have run off the runway. And they were like, fuck that, we're good. So, you leave in the morning. I tweeted this earlier. Coin flip game. I didn't love this game. This is what they call a scheduled loss, right? Uh, three games, four nights, Boston, Rangers, uh, Devils, right? Rangers, Devils being a back-to-back. -back. It's already enough of a challenge to win the back-to-back. -back. When you do the home-away split back-to-back, -back, that's another. You're probably splitting those. You got the three games in four days. You're flying out the morning of instead of the night of. Not good. A, lo a lot of weird factors near here. Now, here's the thing. The Devils are not very good. And specifically, their goaltending is not very good. So in my brain, more or less a coin flip. So they announced... I thought there was a chance, and they talked about this on the, uh, the Adam Gold uh, morning after podcast he does, that maybe you'd see Freddie. And I kind of just trust him on that stuff because he talks to Rod pretty regularly, right? So he, I, I I, don't think, to me, he doesn't really pull stuff like that out of his ass. A lot of times, I think he's, like, been told something or been told enough other pseudo-relevant things where he can make an educated guess. So you see the goal-titting matchups, LaFontaine and Gillies, or whatever that guy's name is. Um, I think a micro-analysis of the game is kind of a waste because it was kind of a throwaway game. But there are some things you're worried about that I kind of wanted to kind of address. Some of it more lighthearted than others. The first thing is uh, this LaFontaine kid is not ready. Um, I don't think this loss is on him. I think he really didn't have a chance on most of those goals. Now, you'd like an NHL goaltender to come up with one or two of them. And I don't think he is that. Um, so, but, gosh, I mean, they just got to the front of the net at will. At will. In this game. And I don't know. I feel like there's been more of that recently. Especially... Uh, on the power play, a lot of these power play goals have come from screens from the inside position or deflections from the inside positions. Um, it, it, it's not a, to me. It's not a coincidence that that's happening more, and and the the PK isn't you know lights out anymore. 
right, and it hasn't been for the last two games, is that a trend, is that guys are tired, you've got Sunday, Monday, and then you play Tuesday, you actually have a pretty good, easy schedule in terms of, of gaps and, you know, in between games and all that moving forward. But that's something I'm really worried about. And this might be reading too much into it. I, I, I don't know. But it feels... Wa- what did this LaFontaine kid do that there's just zero heart to play in front of him? Right? It, 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 it's hard to tell because you're already down 4-0 in the Columbus game. Uh, all the qualifiers about the scheduled loss and the trap game and all that in this one. But it's like, for fuck's sake, does he got to buy lunch? Like, what, is, what does this kid need to do to get some love in front of him? Um, yeah, so I'm kind of worried about those two. Really, those three, I think they all kind of, the net front issues and the PK feel pretty similar to me. I don't know if that's a fatigue thing. Um, I, I really don't know, but it's, it, I think it's something worth keeping an eye on. And then another thing I, I've... I've heard this before, but again, the Devils aren't very good. I haven't heard the Devils score seven goals in a really long time. They absolutely use the Ric Flair woo. Like, obsessively. My my wife, who is new to hockey, she was starting to get pissed off. She was like, why do they keep wooing over and over and over again? Is there... I don't know. Is there a history there? Why is this happening? Are they getting their balls fucking grilled because of the Ric Flair stuff. Like, what is going on with that? Like, give that back. Like, fuck. First off, we own the Devils. We've owned the Devils for a real, real long time. So, is this like part of their, like, alright, well, you know, just because Kevin Weeks literally ripped John Madden's soul out of his his chest, we're gonna steal your woos? Just weird just a weird I don't like it I'm gonna do some research on that I'll have an answer next time on the podcast so you end up splitting splitting the weekend games two points out of four uh I'm relatively pretty happy with the results the devil's game kind of stings it does feel like if Rod could have known that we'd score four goals he probably starts Freddie and maybe you win that game but I don't think you lost either because of LaFontaine I think you lost because of three games and four nights and a back-to-back. So there are a couple things that I want to kind of address. A few things that I've just seen on Twitter. So there's been, over the last week, a real attempt. When Dougie, or when Dougie, when TDA got signed, so much of the conversation was about the the extracurriculars, right? That I don't, you know, like I remember there was a there's a bit. Trip Tracy got on and did a sec, like you know, just on Adam Gold's radio show, that, and they talked about TDA for if it was twenty minutes, seventeen minutes was about you know this, that, and the third, and three minutes was about the fit. So that's really a conversation that we haven't had. Um. And I think another part of that, too, is his – it does feel like the penalty – he's not as good on the the, peak, uh, the power play as Dougie is. He's probably a slightly 
better passer, maybe a like notably better passer, but and he's got he's got a little bit of a of a wrister that he can work with. But Dougie's a much 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 better shooter than um than than TDA. I feel pretty confident saying that at this point. But a lot of things, man. I think TDA's defense is better than Dougie's. I really do. I think they're both, there's some warts on either, right? Um, but I think his defense is better. I think he's got much better hustle. I, I like the grit. He does not shy from the spotlight, right? So I, I've started to hear and see media folks alike. And this kind of came to a head uh, Friday night. Just, yeah. You know, nothing against Dougie, but TDA on this team is better than Dougie Hamilton was. And I, I think that came to kind of a a, a culmination. I'm going to actually pull up the tweet here because I want to read it. Trip Tracy tweeted last night. Let me see. Trip. Let's find it. Trip Tracy. All right, Trip Tracy. So Trip Tracy says. Uh, to all my wonderful, huge Kaniacs, my job as an analyst is to call the games. I could be wrong, but I strongly believe Tony D'Angelo gives the Canes a better chance to win than Dougie Hamilton. Better defensively, plays with more grit, and is and will be better in clutch. Simply my opinion. Uh, so then he goes on to say, let me find it here. Because he had a follow-up. And simultaneously, I will always remember with gratitude the very significant, positive, and this is the important part, regular season impact Dougie made as a hurricane. But again, my job is to assess how the Canes take the next step, and this is how I feel. And then he goes on to say later in the day, um, headed to New Jersey, so want to uh, want to focus on game tonight, all huge Kaniacs, all the lessons I've hopefully learned throughout the years. I think you all deserve an analyst with an opinion and not a milk toast. Uh, go Canes tonight. So, I saw a lot of people get really pissy. Uh, well, you don't have to compare them, and there's no reason to bring Dougie down to lift up um, TDA, which I don't think is at all what's happening here. I think people are saying pretty accurately, I'd say that TDA is a better fit. Um, he's faster. He's a five, he, five on five. He's much better, I think. Or the team works much better with him five on five. So uh, it's, it's always hard to tell with him because of the political stuff, right? Where uh, people do not have a lot of forgiveness for stuff like that, um, which is fine. Such is their right doesn't bother me at all but I do think if you look at it objectively TDA has been better 
than than Dougie has been. And we'll see this because the Dougie Dougie's issue was never a game against New Jersey in January, right? Dougie's issue is that Slavin is out. You're in Nashville. We need a big game from you. Be a nine and a half million dollar defenseman. And he not only was he not a nine and a half million dollar defenseman, he was bad. Right? So just wanted to touch on that. And I don't think anybody here is rip- people like Dougie Hamilton, but TDA has been better, which is fine. I, if if tomorrow our our bottom six defensemen, the the rotation of of Bear, uh, Cole Smith, way better, way 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 better than it was last year. That's not an attack on Hawk and Paul or Jake Bean, right? It's just significantly better. Um, speaking of of Ethan Bear too. I'm I'm getting a little worried about that. I'd like to see him play. I know that Brennan Smith is playing really well. I think that would have been an opportunity on a back-to-back to bring him in. Um, Ian Cole, I thought, looked tired. Maybe he's a guy, right? Take a night off. Uh, I, I just didn't... Ethan Bear really got it was unfortunate what happened with him in Edmonton because he was it was him and Nurse and they buried him and here I thought he was playing really well things have been shakier post-COVID maybe his conditioning's not right and they're trying to work with him on that everybody the, the COVID what makes the COVID stuff weird is it's a lot like a concussion where dudes could have COVID and come back the next... Jacob Slavin hasn't missed a beat. You know? And guys will get COVID and it will fuck them up. Right? It'll fuck them up for months. So I don't... Hopefully that's not the case with Ethan Bear. Maybe his conditioning is just off. Maybe he's, you know, a little bit hurt. And they're like, this kid's the future. Why mess with it? Just something to keep an eye on. Another minor piece of news, but also not a minor piece of news. Jalen Chatfield gets a two-year extension, uh, two-way deal next year, $300,000 guarantee, which is them basically saying you, somebody will, you, you will have every opportunity to be a bottom six defenseman next year. Somebody would have to really out-earn him. I don't think Brendan Smith will be here next year. I definitely don't think Ian Cole will be here next year. Uh, I've been really impressed with Jalen Chatfield. And, and the limited time we've seen him so far, he's looked really, really good. He's v- got hands of stone. Uh, he's got a decent shot, but he, he skates hard, fast, and he's really smart. So I think that's a, a really, really, really good signing. Um, probably means the end of the Joey Keane experiment, right? That guy's probably a 4A guy. You probably move him. Or maybe he knows and he'd rather stay and get called up occasionally for a cup team or a potential cup team, right? So, uh, really good signing there. And the one final thing that I want to touch on in this episode, and I've seen a lot of this after this Devils game. Oh, you know, seven of the ten um, Canes losses have come against... uh, teams in the bottom half of the standings and the Kings play down to their opponent and what's going on 
yada, 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 yada. So I actually went through and I looked up all the losses. I remember most of them pretty well. Some of them I, I, I don't. So I wanted to review them because I don't know. If, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, so I've got it here. I'm going to review it here. So they lost 5-2 against the Panthers. Uh, first loss of the year. Good team. Good team in a horrendous first period, so it doesn't matter. Um, so this is one of the, the sub, you know, 17 through 32 teams, right? Uh, Philadelphia lost 2-1. If you remember, first off, first night of a back-to-back, Canes were leading 1-0 going into the third. Took their foot off the gas because they had a back-to-back. Lost the game. Won against the Blues the next night, right? So, Justin Falk returned. Um... So that, to me, isn't a lot. Like, it, you lost, right? You lost. You didn't get any points, but they took their foot off in the third because of a back-to-back. So, schedule, right? Um, they lost to San Jose in overtime, 2-1. San Jose, fringe playoff team, um, right? So I don't know where they are in the standings. They also had a power play for... Basically all, if I remember correctly. I think they had a minute and a half. I think they went into the overtime period, if I remember. I think Brett Pesci in the box. And I don't think it counted as a power play goal, but they basically scored the goal as Brett Pesci was leaving the box. Uh, I mean, fringe playoff team. They could make the playoffs, and even if they don't, that's a, that's a tough game. Um, you, can, you can mark that as a losing to a bad team if you want, and that's fine. Um... Loss of the Caps 4-2, if you recall, that was the game where there was a slash that shouldn't have mattered because it was offsides, which created a 5-on-3. They scored, we killed the 5-on-3, Caps scored on the 5-on-4, then scored the empty netter. Caps are obviously a good team, also pretty big controversy there, uh, so it doesn't really matter. Um... Dallas, you lost to Dallas 4-1. A, Dallas was on a run when that happened. They, they, I think they ended up winning like eight in a row, and we might have been five of eight. Also, if people, Holpe stole that game. Holpe played really, Holpe had a save of the year candidate on Svetch in that game, um, which happens to him a lot. P- people rob that kid. It's really incredible. So I don't think that marks as a loss to a bad team. So there's one that I would give you as a like, well, Probably should have had that one, right? Um, next, Ottawa 3-2. That game, Ottawa scored, I think they were up 2-0. We tied it late in the third, like maybe middle of the third, and they came back a minute later and, and scored to win the game. I think we had 50 shots. I think Anton Forsberg had an incredible game, if I'm recalling that correctly. You could mark that as... A, a loss to a, you know, a bad team and playing down your opponent, I would argue that 50 shots is pretty good. And they were good chances, and you just didn't get the bounces. Um, next loss, Vancouver. I believe this is part of the Bruce, there it is, era, where they've been a, you know, a borderline playoff team, which is what everybody thought they were going to be. Uh, another thing, last game of a road trip, Back-to-back, no Ajo COVID protocol. And you already had a bunch of guys in COVID protocol as well, right? So there was no Tony. I don't even remember. You were very short-staffed. And Nate just hit 
the post with like seven minutes left in the third. 2-1. Again, back-to-back through the Canada road trip after, I think it was Edmonton. So you beat Edmonton in a really intense game. And then you go to Cal or you go to Vancouver the next night. I'm not marking. That's not even one that I'll allow a mark for. That a scheduled loss. Those are going to happen. They're in the schedule. No one was going 82 and 0. Uh, next loss, Florida 4-3. I don't watch that game. Um, they're a good team regardless, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Columbus 6-0. That was a weird game. Um, you got. This is going to sound dumb, but you got kind of goalied, where Merzlikens. Because that was a that was a 2-0 game going into the third, and Merzlikens had that incredible save on Ethan Bear, on uh with the glove. I don't remember who. Maybe it was Aho. Aho had a really good chance, and then Bear had an incredible chance. So you got kind of goalied, and then they, th- then he punted in the third. So I think that if you that counts, that's a a, a team you should have beat. They were kind of due too, but that I, I I'm not gonna use voodoo magic to explain that away. And then New Jersey tonight, three games, four nights, back-to-back with travel from home and the snow, had to leave the day of. I'm not counting that. So you have three of, of your ten losses. Three are against – three, there's there's no, cir- like, circumstances around it where you're like, eh, I don't know. Maybe it's not that big a deal. So uh, this whole like oh they play down to their opponents and they've gotta you know they've gotta bring the pedal to the metal against everybody not just the good teams and yada 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 and that's mostly make believe we got we got to move past that stuff um, they're really good also you want them beating the Rangers who matter in losing like if you could pick let's say the hockey gods reach down to you and they were like hey the Kings are gonna lose. 22 games, which would be incredible, by the way. They're going to lose 22 games, and you get to choose who they lose to. You would lose to... uh, You'd lose both the games against Arizona, right? You'd lose both games to the Blackhawks. You would just pick these terrible teams where it doesn't matter, and then you would run everybody else, right? So, that's really all I've got... One other thing to keep an eye on, I think we're we're about to see a real watershed moment in in lower level hockey. So PK Subban's brother, not Malcolm Subban, I think his name is Jared Subban. Is it Subban Subban? I don't I don't care. Um, he plays ECHL hockey, ECHL hockey. And, the, the most racist thing I've seen in sports is the fans. Happens a lot in European soccer. Happened to PK in Boston is the banana stuff. Um, that's Ed, this opposing player whose name I don't remember. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what he said to him, but he definitely motioned to Subban as, as if he was a monkey. Started making monkey noises and whatever. That guy's got to go. I think it's too easy and too lazy to ban him for life. Obviously, he can't play this year. 
Um, but, you know, if, if the goal here is to better society and, like, create this hockey is for everyone or whatever, that guy needs counseling. You know, that guy needs... Uh, he needs to really understand why what he did is wrong. And maybe, you know, to be honest, I don't know. I don't think you have to ban a guy. I think you ban him for a year no, for his life. I mean, you don't have to ban him for his life. Ban him for a year uh, and give him a bunch of counseling and see where it goes. And if he doesn't want to do that, then, yeah, you know, fuck you. You have to get this done to uh, to come back. So, I think we'll see. I've seen a lot of push on that in this evening. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, that Yeah, I guess that's, that's really it. Next game, Tuesday, I think. Tuesday. At home against Vegas. Not super worried about that game. Um, it's going to be a good game. I don't think it's really all that important. I want to pull up the Kane schedule actually and look at uh, their schedule through the uh, through the rest of um, rest of January because I think so it's you get you get actually a nice little little home run here kind of where you get Vegas, that'll be a fine game. You go to Ottawa, you get a little revenge there, hopefully. Uh, the Devils come here, and then you get the Sharks. You'd like to get 6 out of 10 in that, I think. If you can win against Vegas then you should be able to get 6 out of 10. If you don't win against Vegas, I think you take 5. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess that's it for the pod. Um, I want to uh, thank everybody, too. Um, we're, we've gotten... We've really had a little bit of like a burst in uh, uh, views or whatever on the podcast recently. So, thank you to everybody who you know follows and shares it with their friends and all that. If you have any suggestions or anything like that, we're Con and I are both really open to that, and this is mostly just fun for us. So you won't hurt our feelings if you're like, "Yeah, hey, this fucking sucks, you nerds." Um, so yeah, that'll be it for uh, this podcast. Make sure, like, you know, follow, uh, subscribe, do whatever. Let your mom know. Uh, don't let your dad know. We don't want him listening. And I'll see you guys around.